Greetings, and welcome to the Gospel Expedition, where we explore the Gospel from Genesis to Revelation. I'm Leland Acker, pastor of Life Point Baptist Church in Early Texas. The Gospel is how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, how He was buried, and how He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death of Jesus Christ paid our sin debt. The resurrection of Jesus Christ conquered the grave. Thus, we can stand before God with confidence, knowing that our sin has been paid for and that we are no longer due His wrath and His judgment. And we have that eternal hope of being able to live eternally in His kingdom in heaven because Jesus rose again and He defeated death by rising again. This salvation is available to all who will turn from their sins and trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And the gospel is the central theme of the Bible. Every passage in Scripture sets up the gospel, illustrates the gospel, or explains the gospel. And today, we are going to see a gospel illustration through the life of Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, we begin to see the life of Noah. We begin the story of Noah. And the story of Noah, if you've ever been around Sunday school, children's books, children's television, you've probably seen some rendition of the story of Noah. It goes like this. Noah lived in a time where the world was exceptionally evil. In fact, Genesis chapter 6 tells us that the sons of God came into the daughters of men and chose of them wives whomever they chose, and that there were giants in the earth in those days. That word giant means these are intellectual and, and physically overpowering individuals. It, we're not thinking Jack and the Beanstalk. We're thinking very intelligent, very brutal, very cunning, very strategic individuals here. And over the course of time, the world became evil. In fact, it became so evil that the Bible says that every imagination of the thought of man's heart was only evil continually. And the Bible also tells us during that time that the earth was filled with violence. So there's a lot of war, there's a lot of murder, there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world. But the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 6 that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. So God seeing the evil of the world, God seeing the violence in the world, God decided that he needed to destroy the world as it was with a flood. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And the Bible tells us that Noah was a just man. He was complete. He was the real deal, perfect in his generation. And so God saw Noah's faith. God saw Noah's character. And so Noah and his family were saved from the flood. And that came about because God called Noah to build an ark. An ark with certain dimensions that would be big enough to house at least two of every species of the animals on the earth so that God could save Noah and his family as well as save a male and a female partner in every species of animals and therefore the earth could be repopulated post-flood by mankind and all the animals that God created. And so Noah built the ark. Noah and his family and all the animals were taken into the ark. The side door of the ark was sealed the Bible tells us it rained for 40 days and 40 nights and that water prevailed upon the face of the earth for 150 days. After 150 days, shortening the story significantly, flood waters receded 
Noah and his family were allowed to come out, and life on earth began again. Now, in studying the story of Noah, what is it that God wants us to learn? What is it that God wants us to take from this passage? The story of Noah teaches us a couple of things. The first thing it teaches us is that God will judge and destroy sin. He does respond to it, and ultimately one day he will destroy sin and death forever in the day of judgment. And so that day is coming, and the story of Noah reminds us of that. The story of Noah also teaches us how to escape the judgment of God so that we can be saved. And we see that with Noah's faith. We see that with the fact that he found grace in the eyes of God. But the ark is a crucial component of the story. So what is it about the ark? For this, we flip ahead in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through 21, the Bible says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not conscience through the resurrection, excuse me, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These verses demonstrate the gospel while referencing the ark. They demonstrate how Christ suffered for our sins and was resurrected. They use the ark as an illustration, and it illustrates how the gospel saves us. And then that shows the proper response, which is repentance, faith, and baptism. First, let's look at how Christ suffered for our sins. That's what 1 Peter 3.18 says. It says that Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous in place of the unrighteous, and by doing so, he brought us to God. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross satisfied God's wrath. It satisfied his anger. It satisfied his judgment. So that we can be brought to God, not as rebels, not as enemies, not as those who have been cast out, but we can be brought to God as friends, as children, not enemies. His resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, conquered death and gives us hope for eternal life. Whenever we are gathered around at a funeral and we tell ourselves that the one who is deceased is in a better place now, the reason we can even say that and have a realistic expectation of it is because Jesus Christ himself rose from the grave and thus defeated death. Verse 21 in 1 Peter chapter 3 goes on to say that the baptism corresponds to this. Now, baptism, you got to understand, going back to the Greek meaning of the word and how they practice things in the New Testament times, baptism means being immersed in water. And being immersed in water, what baptism pictures is it pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, think about that. If you've ever experienced and witnessed a water baptism in this way, what you normally see is the pastor will go down into the water with the baptismal candidate, 
he will say a few words and then he will plunge the candidate under the water and then will lift him back up out of the water. And it's not hard to be able to see how that corresponds with the death, burial, and resurrection. There's death, there's the burial being plunged under the water, and then there's the resurrection being brought back up out of the water. And when the sinner turns from his sin and trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior and follows the Lord in baptism, then what he is doing is he is painting a picture that he is dying to himself and he is dying to sin and being buried and being raised up into newness of life. Romans chapter 6 verses 3 through 5 speak to that when they say, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were, were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. That baptism again is a picture. It's a picture of the gospel. And Romans chapter 6 reminds us that when we believe and we follow the Lord in baptism, we are identifying ourselves with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are painting that picture and we are showing the world that we too are dying to self, dying to death, and being raised up to newness of life. That's a picture of the gospel. And 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us that the ark, that the story of Noah, corresponds with this. So how can that be? The ark pictures the gospel. In verse 20 in 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, They formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Now, a lot of people have taken this passage to say that the ark pictures baptism, but that's not true. That's not true. What the ark pictures is salvation through the gospel, because in the picture of the ark, the water is not salvation and the water is not cleansing. The water is the wrath and judgment of God. What saved Noah and his family was not the water. What saved Noah and his family was the ark. What saved the lives of Noah and his family being the ark gave us a picture of what it's like to be in Christ. While the world outside the ark was being destroyed with water, Noah and his family were safe and they were dry inside. The only salvation from the wrath and judgment of God in our day is Christ. Being in Christ means being redeemed and being rescued from God's judgment. Just as the ark shielded Noah from the wrath of God through the water, Jesus Christ shields us from the wrath of God through his love, his grace, and his payment upon the cross. And that's why the ark is a picture of Christ. So how does this work? How does the ark picture Christ? First of all, the ark saved Noah and his family from the wrath of God. Jesus saves us from the wrath of God. Secondly, the side door on the ark, notice that they have a big side door on the ark when it's described in scripture. It's three stories tall, okay? And it was opened. Noah and his family were allowed to enter as well as all the animals. Then it was closed and it was sealed. A lot of people have drawn parallel between that door in the side of the ark and the piercing of Jesus Christ in his side 
while he was hung on the cross. And just as that door was sealed, keeping Noah and his family inside during the flood, our salvation is sealed in Christ. Just as the ark endured the flood without being destroyed, Christ endured the wrath of God without being destroyed. And just as salvation and ark came by Noah's faith, remember Hebrews chapter 11 says it was by his faith that Noah moved quickly and built the ark. Salvation in our day comes by our faith in Jesus Christ, which should motivate our obedience just as Noah's faith motivated his obedience. And so we see in this passage, we see the parallels between the ark and Jesus Christ, which brings us to the proper response to the gospel. In verse 21, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal from dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you will notice that in Scripture, Peter was big on baptism. It was he that said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of sins. Now, baptism does not save, and Peter was not saying that baptism saves. It's the faith that motivates the baptism that saves. So the proper response to the gospel is to repent, to turn from sin, to believe, to trust the Lord, and to have that faith that would motivate you to follow the Lord in baptism, in baptism, repent, believe, trust the Lord, because it is in him you will find salvation. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins. All scripture points to this truth. Reading the Bible should build your faith in the Lord. This is the Gospel Expedition. I'm Leland Acker.